I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. I can't believe we're seeing another movie in the middle of the day. I know. It's the epitome of waiting for to hear if your pilot's getting picked up. Hike in the morning, movie in the afternoon. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about why you should re-network. Then in take two, we'll revisit our segment about what question is going to guide each of us through 2020. We asked for your guiding questions, and we received so many great ones. In our segment, The Craft and Fane, we'll talk about specificity of place in writing and why it's important. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack will ensure that you don't have to show up to any gathering empty-handed. But first, an update. Liz, we have merch. We are selling Happier in Hollywood Scylla Pints. They're $22, including shipping. That's the pint and the travel lid. It is so exciting. They're rainbow colored. They're really cool. They have our logo and they have our slogan. It's a fun job and we enjoy it. And if you want to see what they look like, check out our video on social media, your Instagram, my Instagram, our Facebook group. Yes. So if you want a Happier in Hollywood Sillipine, email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. We partnered with them on a limited supply, so act fast. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's what we're calling re-networking. Yes, there's a lot of talk about networking in every industry. Our former assistant, Mary, was one of the best networkers yes. we've ever known. Everyone Still is. Yes, exactly true. Everyone agrees that meeting people who do what you do or something associated with what you do is the way to get ahead. It's so important. But all the emphasis is on meeting new people, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. But re-networking is connecting with people you already know. It's yes. kind of networking backwards. Right. So let's talk about this. Yes, because we've had some downtime the last couple of weeks. And one of the things we like to do in our downtime is reconnect with people. It's very easy to kind of 
lose touch with people you've worked with in the past, even if you absolutely adore them. It's just everybody is moving on and, you know, there are so many things pressing on us at any given moment. It really matters when we take the time to reconnect with people who we want to work with again. Yes, what we realize when we see the people is we remember how much we like them, (laughs) how good they are at their jobs, and it inspires us to want to work with them again and to make a point of working with them again. And we can only hope that when they see us, the same thing happens, that they go, oh, I forgot Liz and Sarah were so great in the room. I need to get on another show with them, you know, so that— it's like it, it it reignites that spark. Yes. We had lunch with um, our director-producer from The Fix yesterday, and he's just the most delightful person. And suddenly we're going, okay, what can we do with Michael yes, Cattleman? How we can we— Yes, how can we develop a project that we can do together? But the thing is, if you go too long without seeing someone, or at least like emailing or texting, it's sort of like— it gets awkward, and that relationship right. is, it's just kind of, it's not gone, but it's definitely dormant, right. too and dormant. It, and it really does just take an email or a text. Any kind yes. of reconnecting is great. You don't have to go out for lunch. You yes. just have to reconnect. Yeah, that's why I think one great thing to do, like moving forward in our career, is to start more group texts mm-hmm. in the moment. Yes. You know what I mean? So, for instance, we have a group text with Lori and Marsha and you and me mm-hmm. and from The Fix. Yeah. And anytime we want, we can just text something there. So it keeps all of us in touch with each other, which is great. And I think moving forward, we should make a point of having those group texts. Absolutely. And I wish we had them for every job we've ever done. That Don't would be you? so fun. Yes. Exactly. And sometimes it's just emailing, like, a funny picture, a memory. You see something, like, there's a writer, Bill, who we're friends with. He and I email each other about Below Deck. Um, (laughs) It's just staying in touch. Yeah. And if you can see them, so much the better. You can also do gatherings with groups of people so that you're sort of killing many birds with one stone. Liz, you were talking about having a women's murder club, like reunion dinner at your house. Yes, we need to re-network with all of our WMC compatriots. Yes, that was like the best group ever. Do you re-network? Does it help you? We want to know. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we've got a take two to inspire you in 2020. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
Okay, Liz, it's time for take two in which we revisit a past segment. In episode 139, we revealed the questions we're asking ourselves that are guiding us through 2020. My question is, does this nourish me? And mine is, am I making this situation better? Because a lot of times in the past, I have not made situations better. This year, I want to do that. I have many times not (laughs) nourished myself. (laughs) And since then, you've all offered up your questions, which are so fantastic. We've gotten emails. We've heard from people in our Facebook group. Um, and a lot of people have shared their word of the year because unhappier we do a word of the year. Um, and that often leads to the question of the year. So let's share some. Yes. This was, uh, I just absolutely love these questions. Oh, yeah. So Jacqueline's question is, does this lift me or others up? And her word is lift specifically for this question. I love that because it's like, it's kind of in the vein of mine, which is, am I making a situation better? Mm -hmm. Karen said, my word is inspire because of the questions I came up with as my guide this year. How can I slash does this inspire my kids and husband? And, and I love this, how can I emulate those who inspire me? I think it's so thoughtful that her that her goal is to inspire her family. I know. I feel like we so often take our family for granted. Yeah. It doesn't occur to us that we should be trying to inspire them. Yeah. And then Kayla said, am I making the better choice? This applies to health decisions, where and how I get my news, relationships, career, and creativity. It helps me not get overwhelmed with a huge change. But every time a choice comes up, little or big, I take a pause and consider what's the better choice. So far, so good. It's working for me, and I'm more conscious of my decisions. I love it. Yeah, it feels like mindfulness is a big part of this for everybody. It's just having the question makes all of us more mindful. Yes, just pause. Yes. Gina says, I'm going through a tough personal time helping my daughter through anxiety and depression. My words for the year are trust and thrive. I need to trust my gut as I care for her, and I need to thrive taking care of myself as well. My guiding question is, is this my fear or intuition? My mother always told me there is a fine line between fear and intuition, and at difficult times, I need to listen to my gut and not let fear guide me. Wow. I mean, it doesn't get more profound than that. No. And I love that she is making it a priority to remember herself. Yes. Because you really can't give to other people if you're not also nourishing yourself. Yes. It's the old oxygen on the airplane um, (laughs) analogy. Exactly. Um, And then Pam's word is delight. And her question is, how can I bring delight to today? That's nice. Oh, my God, Pam. I'm stealing it. Yes. I'm going to have another question. That is great. That's a great one with kids. Yes. How can I bring delight to today? Carla says, what would a person who has parentheses trade I want do. For example, in trying to lose weight, I think to myself at decision-making points, would a person trying to lose weight eat that? Or would a fit, active, healthy person drink that? Such as deciding whether or not to get a cafe mocha or a skinny latte (laughs) at Starbucks or a second glass of wine at dinner. This shift toward claiming the identity that I want, rather than making countless decisions that may feel like deprivation, 
has been a game changer for me. That's so smart. Just taking like a step back from it. Yes. Allows her to make different decisions. Sandra, she said, what a great idea to find a question for the year. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt a bit overwhelmed with all the possibilities, but then it hit me. My one word theme and song, listen to Sia, amazing, of 2020 is unstoppable. So I wanted something that relates to this. And here it is. Drum roll. Are you ready? Because unstoppable might be a bit risky, you know. Okay, hooray, here I come no matter what. Like, are you ready helps me think about whatever I'm up to. It's kind of a mindful starting signal instead of running head over heels into chaos. Mm, That's smart. Nancy says, my focus this year is on my personal power and not giving my energy away to activities, things, people who do not warrant it. I've started asking myself, Am I stepping into my personal power in this situation? It is an amazing guiding question for me and really makes me think. Ooh, stepping into her power. I, I like know. That. I'm sitting straighter just reading that question. Right? I yes. Know. Manda said, my word is rest. My question is, who am I doing this for? As an obliger, I tend to fill my time and overschedule to please others. This year, I want to rest and focus on myself and what I need to be the best me possible. Mm. Well, that's very similar to Does This Nourish Me? Yes. I fully get you, Manda. Yes. I like that (laughs) she's bringing the four tendencies, Gretchen's four tendency framework into it, because that always can help frame a question. Yeah. Pamela said, my word of the year is, boundaries. And my question is, can I make this easier? I have a tendency to overcomplicate and overthink things. Brilliant. Yes. We do that in our scripts. I think we have a tendency in our work sometimes because we think, 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 think. We overcomplicate things. And one of the things we've learned to do over time is to just Simplify. simplify. Simple is better. Yep. Mona said, my word is amplify. And my question is, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? Mm. Isn't that always the question? A lot. We would all do probably a lot more. Liza said, before I start this next project, task, or hobby, have I finished what I started? My word for this year is finish. I leave things not finished and jump to the next thing. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> she says that she's, you're finishing right now a blanket you started like 12 years yeah, ago. Exactly. But you are finishing but it. But I'm you finishing said, it. I want to finish this. Yep. Judith's question is, does this bring me joy? Good question. Yeah. And finally, um, Kelly said, my word of the year, it's a phrase, is execute. Just do it. Tired of just thinking so much and not getting it done. My question would be, is this just thinking or getting it done? (laughs) And I think we all have a tendency sometimes to think we're accomplishing something by pondering it when we really need to be taking steps. Indeed. So these are amazing questions. And there are so many more. We just didn't have time for everything. So thank you, everyone. I'm glad that this question, which you sort of came up with, Sarah, because you had this question of the year, has inspired others. Well, and these questions have been extremely inspiring for both of us. So I know. I can't take in more questions, though. I, I was like, it's so tempting to be like, I'm going to make that my question and that my question. No, I got to keep my one. Keep it simple. Well, keep it simple. Okay, Sarah, it is time for the craft and fame in which we talk about the craft of writing because, yes, writing is an art, but it's also a craft. 
And today we want to discuss specificity of place. Right. It seems obvious that a script should have specificity of place, but many, many, many people give us scripts that could literally take place anywhere. It's like suburbs. Yes. And we were very gratified, Sarah, because we handed in um, a script recently to CBS, and one of their comments was that they felt it had great specificity of place. We said it in a community in Miami, and they felt like, oh, we really feel this community. So we were patting ourselves on the back (laughs) for that. Well, and we really make a point of only doing projects with that. Yes. You know, I feel like we really have that with our ABC script as well. Yes, it's a, absolutely. Having that kind of specificity makes a project interesting and better. Yeah, and to me, it's very similar um, to something else, which is we really like to have specificity of job mm-hmm. when we're writing. So if you're, say, writing a doctor, you want to make sure you use the jargon that doctors use. You want it to feel like a real doctor is talking. Um, Which, again, seems obvious, but many times people don't put in specificity. Well, that kind of specificity is what makes things pop and makes things interesting. Yes. You know, in our plastic script, you have been doing all of this amazing plastic surgery research. Yes, and now I want to get everything done on my body. (laughs) But, like, when I read the scenes where you've been doing the research, I'm like, oh, really? Oh, oh, they're standing up for that? Oh, you know. So, thank you for for bearing the burden of that research for me. I've been enjoying it. Um, But, yeah, so, and back to the specificity of place, there's so many things you can do that really aren't hard to make it feel specific. I mean, an obvious one is using streets from a place, Mm -hmm. Um, restaurants, other locations. Well, and just, like, if it's a restaurant, say, what kind of restaurant and, like, why you're choosing that kind of restaurant and make it not the most basic diner. Yes. And have that location reveal something about your characters and, like, why are they choosing to be there? Yes. Why uh, are they at it? that kind of place yeah. as opposed to another kind of— why are they at a greasy spoon as opposed to an upscale cafe? Yes, or if they're at an upscale cafe, why are they uncomfortable there? Right. Um, and Is then, there an upscale cafe? Yes. Oh, oh there's many upscale cafes. <laughs> And then one thing is if you have a scene that sort of could be anywhere, mm-hmm. don't put it in an office, put it outside. Because if, as soon as you say, like, say in our case, exterior Upper East Side, well, then you're, ex- you're in the Upper East Side of New York. And right. that brings with it all sorts of visuals and smells and sounds. Whereas if we're just like interior lobby, You don't get that. Right. Well, and it's sort of a two-sided thing. You want your space to be specific in a way that everyone understands Mm -hmm. so that when they see it, they get a full kind of sensory reaction to it. Or you want want it to be in a place that no one is familiar with. Right. Because then they're leaning in and they're engaged and they're going, wait, I don't know about this. And they're kind of soaking it in that way. For instance, I think we were talking to somebody who was thinking about doing a pilot set in the world of polo playing. Yeah. Well, I know nothing about polo playing. So anything about the places and the barns and, you know, whatever about polo playing would be new and interesting to me. Yes. And by the way, even establishing shots help. 
In the general sense. Yeah. Like, I always feel like we used to resist saying establishing shots because we thought, well, this is something a director will put in later or an editor will put in establishing shots. Why are we going to take up script page (laughs) with establishing shots? But the truth is, for someone who's reading the script, it does put, you know, gives them something to visualize and therefore puts them in a place. And if you put it in the script, if the script is actually going to get shot, then you get the establishing shot that you want. Right. Not something you're just, like, going through stock footage to find. Yes. Stock footage can be fabulous. Yes. But if you can really craft it, great. Do that on the script level. Yes. Craft and feign it. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, we've got a bubbly Hollywood hack. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, finally, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, and it is keep a bottle of nice champagne on hand. Yes. I had to go to an event this weekend, and it was one of those things where I like, what should I bring? Should I bring something? It's so. Should I bring a gift? Should I not bring a gift? Yes. And a nice bottle of champagne, unless obviously you're going to something for someone who's sober, is such a simple and elegant gift to bring. And everyone can use it. Yes, because what's great about a bottle of champagne is that even if the person doesn't drink it themselves, it's the perfect re-gift. Yes. You bring a bottle of champagne and then they can go, oh, fantastic, I can take this bottle of champagne to another event and it doesn't suffer from having gone from hand to hand. At all. So what is our go-to bottle of champagne right now? Obviously, it you know, this sort of varies depending on where you are in your career. Mm-hmm. We have sort of decided our go-to, at least for the moment, is a $50 Veuve Clicquot. Yes. I'm always excited when we receive yes. the Veuve Clicquot. Yes. Um, and so I know that if I give it to somebody else, they're going to be excited too. Because yes. I don't even, I barely drink, and I certainly don't drink a ton of champagne. But again, you can re-gift. And then if you do drink it, you're like like I had on um, New Year's Eve some Veuve Clicquot that we got from Robin Givens. Mm. And I was like, oh, Robin Givens, yes. she's so nice. I had this Veuve Clicquot from her, you know. It's always good. And that particular bottle is nice because it comes in an orange box. Mm-hmm. And bonus hack, um, what my friend Jessica does is she often brings, I've no, observed this, she <laughs> brings a bo- that box and then she wraps this really gorgeous ribbon around it that's got a wire in it. So it's, you know, it's not just hanging limply. It's really... Um, looks fantastic. Wire ribbon makes everything better. It really does. And then it looks like she's giving this elegant, thoughtful gift every single time. 
And you just want to, like, grab it and hold it because it's so appealing. And the Veuve Clicquot Rosé Champagne is also very big right now. Yes. Everyone is loving the Veuve Clicquot yes. Rosé. And that's a little more expensive. The cheapest one I found is, like, $70. Um, but, yes, very popular right now. So what's nice is just you have it there, and then you're not scrambling at the last second. It's something you can just have in the cabinet and keep and know you're ready to go at any moment. And when you go get them, get two. Mm. That way you'll have one ready and one on the shelf. Nice. One on deck. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Right after that last notes call, uh-huh. I've officially crossed over into crazy with this <laughs> yeah. pilot. Like, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm shaking. Oh, it's going to be fine. Pray. From the Onward Project. <laughs>